My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came out and called, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. If you believe in God, ask him for your wife to be saved with a miracle. That's what a doctor said to a man named Alejandro Rivas while his wife Cecilia was in a coma. Cecilia had suffered complications from a cesarean section with the birth of their third child on August 28, 2015. This family in El Salvador was devastated that Cecilia's body seemed to be shutting down with kidney failure and then her liver hemorrhaging. And the doctors were trying everything they could to keep her alive, medications, bringing in specialists, giving her over 40 blood transfusions, and nothing seemed to help as Cecilia's blood pressure was so high that it was essentially off the charts. So the doctor wasn't being flippant in telling Alejandro that over a week after the birth of their child, Luis, his only hope was divine intervention. They fully expected that September 4th, 2015, to be her last night alive. So Alejandro returned home, devastated to be with his family and with his other two children. And Alejandro recalls what happened next. He said, everyone in our community was praying, but I felt the need to pray myself. And then he continued, I believe in the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. So I asked my grandmother, how could it be that she, who was surely in heaven, wasn't doing something to help? And he said, it was just then that he remembered that he had his grandmother's Bible. So he went and got it and opened the Bible, and he found a holy card of Archbishop Oscar Romero. Government officials had assassinated Archbishop Romero back in 1980 when celebrating Mass, 
because he had been speaking out and, and calling for the protection of the poor and the marginalized. And in the following decades, the people had kept asking for Archbishop Romero to continue speaking out on their behalf. But now in heaven, as an intercessor to God. So Alejandro says, he turned to the Archbishop in prayer, saying, Monsignor Romero, please listen to me. For the great love you had for El Salvador, for the great love you had for the family, for the great love you had for pregnant women, for the love you had for life, which even gave yours to defend it, I ask you to beg God in his great mercy that my wife may not die. Today, this night, may my wife not die. I ask you to beg God for mercy. And he made this prayer at 2 o'clock in the morning. Going back to the hospital the following day with the doctor's prediction of his wife's imminent death very much weighing him down, he was greeted by Cecilia's nurse, who shared that Cecilia's bodily organs were working again, and that they had started working again between 2 and 2.15 a.m., the very time Alejandro had been praying. Just two weeks after, that's after Cecilia was expected to die, she and her entire family attended Mass together to give thanks to God for this miracle, which led three years later to Oscar Romero being canonized a saint in the Roman Catholic Church, which Cecilia, Alejandro, and the entire Rivas family attended, sitting in the front row of St. Peter's Square. What is the point of prayer? What exactly are we doing when we come to Jesus in prayer? Is it to get a miracle? If we don't get a miracle, did we do something wrong? Was God in a mood? Maybe we didn't pray enough. Whenever this gospel comes up, there is really a lot of very problematic reactions that people can have to it. Not just those hearing it in the congregation, but even from some preachers, some homilists and so-called theologians that can lead to some just flat-out wrong interpretations and conclusions. It's understandable for us to hear the story of Jesus with a Canaanite woman and get a sense of things pretty quickly. Being a woman, unfortunately, at that time and in that culture, she was already very limited in her ability to claim what was right and what was just from society. We hear she is a Canaanite, which you can figure out even without knowing a lot of biblical scholarship or background, just by the dialogue that St. Matthew captured, that that was a big issue at the time for Jewish people. The Canaanites were from the land that had become the promised land that God had given to the chosen people, the Israelites, but they were not part of the covenant. God had led the Jews from Egypt into that land, and the people who were there, the Canaanites, got displaced. So suffice it to say, there was literally over thousands of years of bad blood between the Jews and the Canaanites. So just those facts alone puts this woman in an incredibly vulnerable position among a group of Jewish men. But for her, obviously the most pressing concern at the moment is that she's got this daughter who's possessed by a devil. She had exhausted any possible means of helping her, couldn't do anything to relieve her. And now she comes to Jesus, but why? 
Because on the surface of things, taking her gender, her background, it would be seen the last place she would be looking. Is it because someone heard something that had happened to somebody that this guy Jesus could do? So she tracks him down? That's not faith. That's called a referral. Jesus isn't worrying about how many stars he's going to get in his Google or Yelp reviews. And any preacher in any way proposing that Jesus is being racist or sexist because of his initial reaction and that he doesn't immediately attend to her request doesn't realize how heretical they're being. Or those proposing that simply because there's a need and she requests it, Jesus needs to fix it. But that's not faith either. That's called superhero syndrome. Jesus is more than some Superman or some fictional character that someone dreamt up. He's God incarnate. And those who like to paint this story as somehow the the Canaanite woman is some feminist heroine because she sets Jesus straight and gets him to change his mind are revealing how little they know who Jesus is and how little faith they have as they're bringing their own agendas and biases into this passage. Because it's the height of presumption and entitlement and arrogance that anyone has a claim on God's attention. And his response has to align precisely with their demands. Because if that's the case, it leaves those of us who don't get a miracle left thinking we've done something wrong. Maybe we weren't as persuasive or as demanding as this woman was. This Canaanite woman demonstrates authentic prayer, which isn't about rubbing a lamp to get three wishes. It's about humbling oneself before God. It's about having the conviction that he can do anything. It's about surrendering ourselves to him and his will. That's what authentic prayer, that's what genuine faith is about, which brings us to a place of peace despite whatever circumstances it was that first caused us to lose our peace. Because when she first approaches Jesus, Jesus already knew what was troubling her. He's the God who sees, not just the exterior, but he sees into the heart. He sees the boldness of a woman who won't let her gender in that society limit her. He sees the strength of a woman who sees past the ridiculousness of thousands of years of strife between the races. He sees the dedication of a mother whose love for her daughter made her dig deeper within herself than she probably ever imagined before in her life, bringing her to this consequential moment. And he's drawing out something even more significant from within in her, her faith in God, and the God who's always seen, who's always cared, has always known, and loved her, which goes beyond this particular trial and this specific circumstance to where thousands of years later, we're still talking about her. She's come to a place where she realized that nothing else mattered more than Jesus. And that, yes, her daughter being healed was a tremendous blessing that brought the immediate relief that she had desired. But the greater blessing was having Jesus look at her and say, great is your faith. One of my great hopes and prayers is that Jesus would look at me one day and say the same. Our God who can make all things new, 
can work something of far greater consequence all the time. And for the Jewish audience, this, this one encounter undoes thousands of years of strife and of tension, of seeing people as less than, unclean and unwelcome, unredeemable, and fulfilling that promise that the prophet Isaiah was speaking about in the first reading today, where the prophet said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Which brings us full circle. The reason and the tremendous gift of healing and miracles that some experience are meant to help revitalize our faith and trust and our love for God, but not in a possessive, demanding sense. When they happen like they did for this Canaanite woman or like the Rivas family, they're incredible moments of encounter and visitation by God. They show up and show out in astounding, astonishing ways that define human explanation. But eventually, the Canaanite woman and her daughter died, as will Cecilia and her family, and one day every one of us. So our prayers aren't about getting a desired outcome. That's an excellent place for us to start, for sure, where we bring our cares and our needs and our fears to God. That's an excellent place for us to begin our prayers. Trusting God who can do anything, but trusting his answers no matter what they are. Because I can't tell you how many widows and widowers I've met who inspire me even more than the Canaanite woman, who despite the pain of the loss of their spouse and navigating still some confusion or anger and sadness, but they're still at mass, they're still at prayer. I hear Jesus saying to them, great is your faith. Or how many people I've met who've been let down by the church, suffered abuse, been misled, experienced legitimate hurt, but refused to leave because they know the Eucharist is Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And as much of a mess as some of his followers can make of his church, in the end, it remains his church. Those individuals inspire me more than the Rivas family with their incredible miracle. And to them, I can hear Jesus saying, great is your faith. The great Christian writer C.S. Lewis once put it like this. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. May you and I, no matter what it is we're experiencing or facing, never lose sight of the love that Jesus has for us, who's constantly waiting for us and wants to utilize our faith to continue to testify to the world all that he can accomplish.